This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to start Romans chapter 10. And I mean, what a chapter, what a book, what a letter that Paul has wrote that's been passed down to us so we can take the lessons that he was sharing with them for them to learn and we can apply them to our lives and 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 how we can be just drawn even closer to christ that's what this book is all about he's talking to these jews there at the church at rome and and he's talking in general to all of his fellow jews and he is literally crying out to them to please Give your life to Jesus Christ, the Messiah that you've been looking for for a long time, the Messiah that the prophets have been prophesying about for a long time, because you put all your faith in the law and this old covenant. Now there's this new covenant, and and you're, you're not even calling upon Jesus for salvation. You won't even mention the name of Jesus, and you've got to put your faith not in the law, but in this Jesus, because this Jesus is the Messiah, the one who has died in your place. He has died for the forgiveness of your sins, to wash your sins away. And, and you won't even call upon his name. And, and in the last chapter, well, let me just start off with my notes. Paul has lowered the boom, right? He, he's body slammed these Jews, if you will, using wrestling terms. He's body slammed the Jews in this letter to the church at Rome. He has told them that, hey, you're a bunch of sinners. You need to quit judging others because you're sinners too. Uh, and just because you were Jews at, when you were born, uh, just because you are a descendant of Abraham, just because you have made a decision to, to cut some skin off your private part, uh, just because you have the law, and you try really hard to keep the law, but yet you break the law. And if you break one law, you've broken the whole law, the whole covenant. Um, and he says, you don't have a relationship with God. You are not in the kingdom unless you, you quit putting your faith and trust in this law and put your faith and trust in Jesus, God's son. He's saying that they cannot rely solely on the past and try to keep the law uh, and get into the kingdom. Got to have faith in Christ, put their trust in Jesus, who is God's son, their Messiah. And then in the last chapter, Paul starts talking about the sovereignty of God. Well, why is he talking about the sovereignty of God? Because God has now allowed the Gentiles to be a part of the church and this idea of the Gentiles being a part of the church, it sticks in the crawl, if you will, of the Jews because they don't like the Gentiles. They've never liked the Gentiles. Way back through the Old Testament, they hated the Gentiles. I mean, even when you, when you read the New Testament, when you read the Gospels, when Jesus says in John 4, the King James Version says, I must needs go through Samaria. Any other virgin says he had to go to Samaria. Well, why did he have to go to Samaria? Because he knew that woman was going to be at that well at that in the heat of the day, and he was going to have a conversation with her. And because he had that conversation with her, the whole village came out to meet him and get to know him and believed on him. But 
a Jew back in Jesus' day wouldn't even step foot on Samaritan soil because they would consider themselves unclean. And and, and that's what's going on here with, with, with Paul and, and, and what he is telling these Jews. He's begging these Jews, Quit, you're, you're so focused on the law and you're putting your faith and your trust in the law, but yet you can't even keep the law because of sin and, and you're shunning everybody else, and you're just as guilty. You need a Savior too. Just because you're a Jew, you're not getting in. Just because you're trying to rely on an old covenant that God made with Abraham, you're not. That, that's not going to get you in a good relationship with God. It's only in the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. And so... <clears throat> And I, I can understand because it, it would be hard for them to let go of something they've been taught for thousands of years. I mean, they had the law ever since God met with Moses on Mount Sinai. So they've had the law for a long time. It's been a, a part of them. And, and well, we'll get more into that in a little bit. But chapter 10, it starts out very strong, if not more strong than chapter 9 did. When Paul says, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and the prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, cling, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. That's the first four verses of chapter 10. And we can see that it is, it is clear that Paul is speaking to Christians um, in the church there at Rome because he starts off chapter 10 saying, Dear brothers and sisters. Well, so what, what is he talking about? What, what is he longing for? What, what, why is he pleading to dear brothers and sisters? Well, he is longing for, he is pleading for them to be saved. He wants all of Israel all the Jews to be saved. And this is, has this has really been his talking points, uh, his main points through uh, the first eight chapters. They aren't saved, as we just mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, they're not saved because of a covenant that was made between Abraham and God thousands of years ago. It's not gonna it's not gonna cut it anymore. They have to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, who is God's son. Uh, and that and and that's what Paul is trying to get them to see that there is now a new covenant that was made between, um, well, there's a new covenant, uh, and Jesus told us, or he told his disciples when he sat down at the Passover meal for one last time about this new covenant that he is making, that he is establishing. And Mark, and it's in all four gospels, but in Mark 14 is one I chose to, to share with you guys. But in Mark 14, 22 through 26, Jesus says, as they, or Mark writes, as they were eating, Jesus took some of the bread and blessed it, and he broke it in pieces, and he gave it to the disciples, saying, Take it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine, and he gave thanks for it, and he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said, This is my blood, which confirms the new covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink Drink it new in the kingdom of God. And then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. And right after that, Jesus is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and he is, he is uh, crucified on the cross, put in a tomb for three days, 
Uh, and then on the third day, he is resurrected from the dead. He came out alive, victorious over death and hell in the grave, holding the keys and you know twirling the keys on his finger. No, he, maybe he wasn't twirling the keys on his finger, but he's holding the keys. Um, and he has conquered. He, he has given us victory. And so, this is why Paul. You can you can hear the the passion coming from Paul's pen, if you will, his voice. Uh, he is so devoted. He is so passionate about the Jews being saved. Um, and if you remember back in the last chapter, he said, "With Christ as my witness, I speak the utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them." In other words, Paul says, "I, I would, I would give up my salvation if it meant that all the Jews would be saved and go." To heaven and be in the kingdom of God for eternity. That's how passionate this man is about wanting the Jews to be saved. And that's why he is writing this letter and he is sharing this letter with the church at Rome. And he is, he is pleading for the Jews in that area to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And we'll see that in the next podcast, not in this podcast. But he wants them to give their lives to Christ and 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 quit putting their faith and their trust in of the law that Christ has come and fulfilled. And we'll talk more about that in just a second. Um, but when Paul, uh, if you think about Paul, when he, he was converted on the road to Damascus, right? He was on his way to Damascus to persecute even more Christians, pulling them out of their homes, men and women, putting them in prison. Many would be uh, persecuted. Many would be killed, busting up families. And he has that encounter with Jesus. He's knocked off the horse. He's, he's blind. Uh, he, they, he goes to Ananias like he's told to do. He receives his sight. He's baptized. And, and he, he, he goes to the church there in Jerusalem. They're all scared to death of him. Uh, Barnabas uh, comes along and encourages them to, uh, you know, that he, he has been a converted person, that he is no longer that murderer that he has been, and that he has truly given his life to Christ. And they send Paul off, and Paul goes away for, I think, like three years uh, back to his home. And, and then he goes out and begins to uh, be this great missionary, going to church or going to start these new villages and going to these cities and starting new churches. Um, and so he was sent by Jesus to the Gentiles. And that's what Jesus told Ananias, because and, Ananias was scared to death of him. He didn't want, he didn't want Saul coming to his house. But uh, when, when Jesus told uh, Ananias that Saul was coming, he freaked out. He's like, whoa, you know what, this guy, what kind of man this, this dude is? He, he, he's, he's a bad dude. And Jesus says, no, Ananias, he, he's, he, he's been chosen by me. He's going to be an ambassador to the Gentiles. He's going to take my name and preach my message to the Gentiles. But what did Paul do? When, you, when, when we've broken down the book of Acts, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to those podcasts, I encourage you to do so. It's, it's pretty interesting. Um, but when Paul, as we studied the book of Acts, when we watched Paul as he traveled around, one of the first things that he did when he came into a new city, into a new village, he would look for a synagogue. Why would he look for a synagogue? Because he knew there was a captive audience there of Jews that were worshiping God. And he wanted to, to go to that synagogue and he would proclaim to them the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and telling them, hey, the Messiah has been here, he has come, and he is now sitting at the Father's right hand in a place of power and authority, and you need to give your life to him. Now, 
There were some people who listened. There were some people who were obedient. But there were also some who ran him out of town. They, they tried to kill him. You know, they beat him. They stoned him. They flawed him. They, they would chase him from town to town and, and run him out of town. But Paul's heart was absolutely 100% for the Jews to be saved and his passion. And we can see his passion by what he says in his letters. And he wants that to happen so bad. So let me ask you a question before we move on. What is your passion? What is your passion? What is something that just drives you to, to, to do whatever that just brings you so much joy? What is your passion? What do you do that you absolutely are passionate about? Now, a second question is this. What if we went after lost souls with that same passion that you have for whatever you answered in that first question? What if we went after lost souls and told them about Jesus and his, his, the gospel, his death, burial, and resurrection, and his saving power and his blood that washes away our sins, that they can, they can go to heaven and be with God for eternity. They can have this relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. What if we went and told people about Jesus with the same passion that we have toward whatever we enjoy doing? Think about that. That's what Paul is doing here. He is writing this letter with so much conviction and so much devotion and so much passion because he wants these Jews to be saved. In so much that he said, I would give up my own salvation if it meant that all of y'all would be saved. We need to go after the church. Those of us who, those of us who have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, we need to have that same kind of passion toward our neighbors, that live right around us, to the people we come in contact with in the grocery stores, in the shopping malls, wherever, our, our friends, our family, our co-workers. But you know, what do we do most of the time? We keep our mouth shut. We stay to ourselves. We're too busy you know, playing on our phone, playing a game or on social media, whatever. We don't have that same passion when it comes to lost souls than we have with whatever you know, we love. Like, you know, I love, I'm passionate about college football and it's fixing to start here in a few weeks. High school football starting this Friday night. I've grown up playing sports. I'm passionate about skateboarding. Uh, I, I'm, I'm passionate about Irish dancing. I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about all kinds of things. But do I carry that same kind of passion? Uh, like we're playing my instruments, you know, in the worship band or whatever. Uh, do I carry that same kind of passion for lost souls? And tell them about Jesus. That's what's going on here with Paul. He's very passionate. He wants these Jews to be saved. And he's pleading with them to listen and to pay attention to what he's saying. We'll be right back after this short break. I want you to do me a favor. Now, I know you listen to some good music. But I want to tell you about some great music. My friend Mary Gamboa, and she's also the worship leader at Authentic Church where I worship, she has released a new album entitled Jealous, and you can check that album out at marygamboamusic.com. That's Mary G-A-M-B-O-A music.com. Also, we would love to have you worship with us at Authentic Church at 322 Lindsay Street here in Alcoa, and we start at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. Come see us.
So before giving the Jews a right hook, if you will, Paul gives them a compliment. He says, I know what enthusiasm they have for God. So he acknowledges that they are trying to they are trying to serve God and love God, and they are definitely putting forth an effort to have a relationship with God. But then he says, but. And when there's a but involved, there's trouble on the way. He says, I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but, and there's the but, you know, they're doing good. They've got this enthusiasm for God, but it's misdirected zeal. The King James Version says, uh, they have, they, I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but not according to knowledge. The word in the Greek here uh, means precise and correct knowledge. So in other words, what Paul is saying here is, is, I know they have this enthusiasm for God, but they don't have precise and correct knowledge about God. And think about that, because they have the law and their zeal about the law, and, and they're putting their trust and their faith in the law that tells how they should live and what to do and what not to do to be pleasing to God. And here's Paul saying they don't have precise and correct knowledge. So they had plenty of knowledge, right? Because they're serving God with enthusiasm. That's what Paul complimented them on. They have the law. But the law, now think about this. The law is the very thing that is keeping them from turning to Christ, because they're putting their faith and their trust in, in this, uh, re, this religion, this works-based religion, instead of having a faith-based relationship with Jesus. They, they, they can't get past the idea that the law will not save them, no matter how good they try, and no matter how well they try to keep the law, and there's not enough works that they can do to get in the kingdom of God. They can't work their way there. It's not based upon works. It's based upon faith in Jesus Christ. That's why Paul goes on to say, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Well, what's God's way? God's way is simply this, Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the what? I am the way. That means Jesus is the only way to the Father. Because he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father except by or through me. If we want to get to the Father, if we want to get to heaven where the Father is, we got to go through Jesus. It's the, he is the only way. To, be put, to put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, the gospel, the saving message of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, being washed in his blood, being filled with his spirit, and walking with him on a daily basis to the best of our ability. And his, uh, as John says, his, his blood washes our sins away as long as we continue to have fellowship with him. And Jesus says, I am the way. There is no other way to heaven. I don't care what anybody says out there in social media, in other religions. There is no other way to God or to get into heaven, to get into the kingdom of God, except by Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made on the cross and coming out of that tomb three days later, holding the keys to death, hell, and the grave. 
Jesus is the only way. And that includes the Jews that have made and kept the covenant that was made between God and Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12, thousands of years ago. See, the Jews' way uh, is it's a works-based religion. But God's new way of getting in the kingdom is faith-based in His Son, Jesus. There is nothing that we can do outside of Jesus to get into heaven, to get into the kingdom. Absolutely nothing. You can go and preach to a million people. Think about it. And, and people have. I mean, you think about these great preachers like, like John Wesley and, and uh, uh, um, good night, his name is, uh, escape me. Um, what is his name? The great evangelist. Um, Billy Graham. Yeah, Billy Graham. And, you know, and, and preachers like that, they preach to football stadiums full of people, just thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. And uh, they, you know, they, they have converted many people to Jesus Christ. But will that get them into heaven? Absolutely not. They, to themselves, have to have faith in Jesus Christ. They have to have a relationship with Jesus because without a relationship and being washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, we ain't getting into heaven, period. There is no other way into the kingdom. There's nothing that we can do outside of Jesus to get in. Uh, um, We've got to have faith in Christ we got to put our trust in Christ, and we got to have a relationship with Christ to get in. That's why Paul says in verse 4, For Christ has already accomplished, <clears throat> for Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. So what did Jesus say uh, about him and the law? Think about that. Well, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, this is what Jesus says. He says, Don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish. I didn't come to do away with the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So Jesus says that he didn't come to do away with the law completely. Rather, he fulfilled its purpose. He fulfilled the purpose of the law. Or in other words, He did what the law could not do, and that is completely remove sin. Because all those sacrifices that were made under the law, they could only cover sin. They never washed sins away. All those animals that were sacrificed, not one, you can pull up all the millions of gallons of blood that was shed on those sacrifices, and it would never wash one sin away. It only covered it. Jesus comes along, and one teeny tiny drop of the blood of Jesus Christ will wash every sin that we have completely away, wash us whiter than snow, and give us direct access to the very throne of God. We studied about that in the book of Hebrews. Now, how awesome is that? That is so powerful and so awesome. And that, that's why Paul is pleading with these Jews to give their life to Jesus because You can't rely on the past. You can't rely on that old covenant because there's a new covenant and it is in the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. He died in your place. He died for you, you Jews, and and us Gentiles. He died for us too. And the only way we're getting in 
to heaven and to the kingdom of God is by the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, let's see, where was I at here? Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't come to do away with the law completely. He fulfilled the purpose of the law. He did what the law could not do, and that's completely remove sin. Remember what Paul told the church back in chapter 8? This is what Paul said. He says in verse 3 or 4 of chapter 8, he says, The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. He put on flesh, right? John says we, we, the, he dwelt among us, John 1, 14. We could see him. We could literally have a conversation with God. He was in the flesh. We ate fish with him. We drank wine with him. We you know, hung out with him. We traveled around with him. We saw God in the flesh and had all this cool stuff that was going on with God in the flesh. Um, and so he says, the law of Moses was unable to, unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like, uh, like we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Now, verse 4, again, it says, for Christ has, Paul says, For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, here's the result, all who believe in him are made right with God. All who believe in Jesus are made right with God. Not, not believing in the law, not trying to follow the law because you're going to fail. You, you, you break one law, you, you're guilty of all, breaking all the law. The law cannot save you. The law cannot get you into the kingdom. The law cannot get you into heaven. The law cannot get you direct access to the throne of God. What can, or better yet, who can? Jesus. And Paul says, all who believe in Jesus are made right with God. Who? All. Who's all? Everybody. Anybody that puts their faith and their trust in Jesus. And that's what he's trying to get these Jews to understand and to be obedient and to give their life to Christ. This is Paul's main point right here. All who believe in him are made right with God. You Jews and Gentiles, but in, in particular, he's writing to the Jews here. And he says, you Jews, you have to put your faith in Jesus just like everybody else if you want to go to heaven and be with God for eternity. If you want to be a part of the kingdom, you have to go through Jesus. He is the only way. And you know, to a lot of Jews, they think Jesus is a blasphemer. This would be a very difficult idea for a Jew to deal with. Even today, there's Jews who do not believe that Jesus, he, they think he was just a prophet, that he, he was not the Messiah. So even today, 2,000 years removed, they still have an issue believing in Jesus. And this is fresh. This is not too far removed from when Jesus ascended back to heaven, when Paul was traveling around and telling people this message right here. And th they would not even mention the name of Jesus. It would not come from their lips. And this is going to be a key point in the next podcast when we finish chapter 10. But they would not even mention the name of Jesus because they were afraid that they would be blaspheming against God if they, if they even mentioned the name of Jesus. So this was a very, very difficult idea for the Jews to deal with. And if you think about it, you know, 
they're having to give up something that they've had for thousands of years. I mean, God himself made this covenant with Abraham and said it's an everlasting covenant. God himself was on Mount Sinai with Moses and gave Moses the law for the Hebrew people, the Jews, to have. And, and they were God's chosen people. And God said to write these laws upon your heart and teach them to your children. And, and, and let this be an everlasting thing. And now Paul, well, even Jesus comes along and says, hey, no, there is a new covenant now. That old covenant, that cutting of the flesh in your private part, it's not going to get you into the kingdom of God anymore. You can't rely up, upon, you, okay, you're born a Jew. So what? You're just another human being now. The only way you're getting into my kingdom is into and is partaking of the new covenant, which is based upon my body that was given on the cross and, and poured out like wine uh, as a sacrifice. My blood and, and my blood will wash away your sins and give you direct, direct access to the throne of my Father. But it's only through me, Jesus said, John 14, 6, I'm the only way. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes into the Father but through me. And so the many of the Jews are like, nah, I ain't having him, bro. But there were other Jews who said, you know what, I'm getting on board with that. And they, they were obedient. They, they heard and they saw Paul's passion and they were obedient. They accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So as we end today's podcast, let me ask you this question. What about you? What about you? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you been washed in the blood of Jesus? Are your sins forgiven? Do you have a relationship with God's Son, Jesus Christ? If you've never given your life to Christ, I sure would love to help you out with that. You can email me at thegrounditpodcast at gmail.com or you can text me at the number that is given in the outro. And if you have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then where's your passion? Is your passion and the lost souls that you know are out there all around you on a daily basis, is your passion sharing the Jesus that you know that lives inside of you? Is your passion sharing the gospel, the death, burial, and the resurrection so that those people who are lost can have the opportunity to believe for themselves, to put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ as well? Where is your passion, follower of Jesus God bless you. Thank you for listening today. We'll finish Romans 10, and it's going to be good in the next podcast. I'm telling you, it's going to be good. Keep grinding. Thanks for listening to The Grounded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com, or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe, and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you, and remember, keep grinding.